Welcome to Utopian Horizons. Hello and welcome to Utopian Horizons. My name is Paul. If you're new to the show, this is a podcast about utopia and dystopia where we look at utopia in all different forms through uh, books, films, games and, and all sorts of other things. Today we are back with an episode looking at a science fiction novel from the 1970s called Gateway, uh, a novel with uh, a very cool premise. Uh, and it's one where I'm going to be joined by Pete and Carlo from Podside Picnic. Uh, when we get into conversation with them, we'll go into details on uh, what Podside Picnic is, if you don't know. And obviously, we'll we'll give you some more more details on on Gateway, uh, fill you in on the the with a synopsis and stuff like that. So I, I won't kind of go over that all now for for, for um to save repeating it. Obviously, it's been a while since I've, I've done an episode, so sorry about that. Uh, one thing I quickly want to say on that is um, kind of related to that, I'm going to close the Patreon, so it only affects you if you subscribe to the Patreon. But basically, since uh, starting a new job a few months ago and just um, yeah, trying to do too much stuff at once, uh, I realised I was kind of overcommitting on stuff uh and then that ended yeah that like i ended up not being able to do that and that's why i haven't released anything for a while and i just kind of decided yeah the, i'm still basically i'm still i want to still put out episodes but um i just have to be realistic about the time i have and stuff and if i've got the patreon up then i feel um a certain commitment to the people who are giving me money and I want to produce episodes like regularly for people if I'm taking money from them and I don't think I can produce episodes that regularly so I don't feel comfortable taking money from people so I'm going to close it but basically that yeah I want to just be able to produce episodes as regularly as I have the time and desire to do so um, and closing the Patreon just means I can do that without worrying or feel like I owe people something so yeah that's what I'm doing so yeah maybe episodes will be more spaced out from now on uh but yeah that's that's just uh that's how it's going to be from now on now I've got that out of the way I don't think I need to tell you much else so um I'll leave you now with my conversation with Pete and Carlo joining me now are Pete and Carlo from Podside Picnic uh, they have joined me to talk about Gateway, the Frederick Pohl novel that was uh, first published in 1977. Uh, thanks for joining me, both of you. Would you uh, first of all let me say hello to each of you individually, so people know whose voices is who. So, um, hello, Pete. Hey, Paul. How are you? Good, thank you, my friend. And uh, hello, Carlo. Hello, Paul. How you doing? There you go. So that, that everybody can uh, can put a voice to to the name. Um, but before we kick before we uh, kick off with this, do you, do you guys want to just kind of tell the listeners about Podside Picnic? Sure. Um, so um, uh, Podside Picnic uh, is a um, a podcast that uh, deals with mostly science fiction and fantasy, some horror, uh, as we like to call it, the literature of the fantastic, um, generally from a more left point of view. Uh, so, you know, uh, in general, we, 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 we like to hew to that. And that includes, you know, the literature includes basically everything. So it can be books, it can be short fiction, it can be films, it could be, I don't know, comics. We, we've, we've talked about comics and all, of, oh, of course, our, our favorite, Pete, crap books. We love crap books. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we are, we are overdue for a crap book episode. I, I'd say in general, while we certainly are very interested on the, uh, the high concept books and the well written books, it's, it's very much about, um, what we enjoy and what entertains us, which gives us a little flexibility to uh, to to dig up the the odd and the silly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, well, I think people can probably guess 
one of the reasons I may have uh, invited you to one, given that, that you've just mentioned that, that you've got quite a, a science fiction focus, which is that this is a, a science fiction novel. Um, so I think to start off, it would be good if we could give a little kind of summary for, for anybody who, who hasn't read the book for a long time or indeed hasn't read it at all. Um, I think it's got a really fantastic premise uh, for, for a story. Um, would, one of you, would one of you like to have a go at kind of giving us a bit of a synopsis or, sh or should I? Uh, it's a, so this, it's an interesting book in that it is, um, as I understand what the, the sort of like the tastes of publishing are right now, uh, it's it's almost a throwback because there's uh, it, it's a parallel narrative uh, focusing on our protagonist, Bob Broadhead, which is a hilariously uh, sort of golden age hero type of name for an utter coward. <laughs> and it's sort of a shithead. Uh, he is really ba a bad person uh, in general. He's well, maybe not a bad person, but he's definitely a messed up person, uh, yeah. which which sort of runs counter to the. Uh, to his name, which absolutely sounds like some lantern jawed, you know, like, uh, you know, hero of, of, you know, like high out of Heinlein or, you know, one of his ju juveniles. Um, and so it, it, it takes place in the present where he's at a, basically an extended therapy session with a, um, uh, you know, a, a mechanical therapist. Uh, you know, here we have Frederick Paul already, uh, sort of, calling uh what's the name of that app that they people use now uh, is it better help or whatever <laughs> it's just sort of like a, an interesting thing where he he is in a therapy session and then as the therapy session keeps on going and they're trying the, the therapist uh is trying to uncover uh why mm. he's in therapy uh it, it comes clear as as the the session goes on that he is wildly wealthy but he's very, very unhappy. And there's some sort of deep-seated problem that he is not aware of. And slowly, in a series of flashbacks to his stint on Gateway uh, and, you know, everything that unfolds from there, uh, basically you find out that Gateway is this asteroid that's sort of hidden in plain, almost in plain sight within our own solar system, because it, mm. I believe it's what is it, some degrees uh, orthogonal to the elliptic or something like that. Uh, so basically, no one was looking for it in that sector of space. Uh, and it's just an asteroid that's riddled with tunnels and it has a bunch of alien ships. Um, these aliens are called uh, in the book the Heechi, and apparently, they are. You know, they were in prominence, what is it, like 500,000 years ago or something like that. Just, you know, a long time ago. Mm. And they just find this asteroid. It's just got the ships, no other things in there. And uh, it, essentially, the ships are like a roulette wheel. You you cannot control the ships. The ships have a predetermined course. You punch a button. It takes you to a destination and you come back and uh the maybe maybe well yeah yeah <laughs> hopefully you come back <laughs> that's that's where the gambling comes in um but uh basically there's a corporation that has taken over uh sort of the 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 entire project uh it doles out uh, certain awards cash awards to different people for figuring out different things um uh but as you said paul uh you know, the, a lot of these predetermined courses, either through uh, maybe the Hichi just did not did not have human concerns, uh, maybe mm. because uh, things have changed in the 500,000 years since they've been around. Uh, you know, mm. there, there might have been a, a star that they were observing that has since gone nova. And, you know, if if you just so happen to... Uh, <laughs> you know, sort of pop in uh, on that wave of that first Nova, uh, well, <laughs> you ain't coming back. Uh, mm. And uh, so anyway, the, the point being that you get Bob's entire sort of like he, he's a bit of a coward. He doesn't, he, he force, he tries to uh, postpone his uh, missions as much as possible. He's very afraid of dying out there. And he, when he finally, you know, when, when the book, resolves um 
it's you find out exactly what the big problem is. I don't want to spoil it right off the bat, but it's a big, big problem. Uh, and uh, he is the only survivor of the uh, 10 person crew. Uh, and he gets the full award of, uh, I think it was what I, I thought it was in the billions, but actually upon rereading it, it's like what, $10 million, which is sort of, it, that's sort of a, an Austin Powers uh, joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't sound like a lot of money nowadays. I guess in 1977, it would have been a lot. Yeah, I think we're 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 supposed to kind of feel like it's a lot of money. I think he he he's in any case, he's even if he got a lot of money from that, and he's since become a lot richer mm-hmm. because, uh, as we know, once you're a multimillionaire, it's kind of a lot easier to to make lots more money. So, yeah, he he's now incredibly wealthy. But uh, I think it's a pre- pretty good give people a pretty good picture of the of the of the what the what the book's about um just just some i'll just put put in a couple of other details there this is stuff that's more kind of in the background but i just think it's worth bringing out just as we're, we're kind of talking about this world um earth is we don't learn a lot about the earth because much of the book is 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 uh focused on gateway but it seems to be for most people a pretty shitty place um Rob comes from working in the food mines. Uh, it's not. I think I don't understand what that is, but but they're they're mining food somehow oh, um, uh, because because of some kind of crisis. Yeah, they're Sorry? they're using petroleum. They're using they're using petroleum to manufacture food with algae. Right. Yeah, that's the one. It, yeah, it's... which is why all the all the grass around the the playgrounds near near where Rob grew up has to be like. <laughs> manually cleaned like uh, every week or something it's so filthy there um which is quite a nice image for how, how awful it is there well it, so yeah it, it, i just found it really fascinating because the the glimpses like you said paul the glimpse that you get uh, apart from it being like basically he lives in some mining uh region it's not even like a, a town it's like an entire region that's just dedicated like wyoming is completely dedicated to mining down and uh sort of separating the shale uh, uh and the tar sands out so that you can get to the to the petroleum so that then you can sort of grow this gross shit <laughs> that that people are eating uh, and skim off the top of it you know the the what becomes a food product right it's just it's it, it it sounds miserable. Uh, you you fully understand why he wants to get the fuck off Earth and why the rest of the the novel takes place on an asteroid, you know, in in space. Yeah, and, and if you wanted uh, some more an, uh, another subtle metaphor, rich people live under a giant bubble, um, which is where where uh, Rob is for kind of the this period where he's talking with his. Uh, robot psychologist so um yeah there, there, there's kind of a very clear um there's a, there's a very elite class of people who who live in relatively relatively small class of people and and it's implied that yeah most other people are kind of in the kind of situation that rob was in when he was in the food mines though though we don't really get that detail but i think it's safe to say that's a that's the implication so yeah that that's the that's the world we're in um well this is a completely incidental detail but this is one thing i want to to ask you guys given that you've you've read a lot of science fiction the the kind of uh psychologist or like the freudian stuff in like science fiction novels feels like a very 60s 70s type of thing is that like is that a trope or am i just imagining that well, I mean, we're dealing with Frederick Paul, who was, I mean, uh, he's sort of painted across many of the ages of science fiction simply because he was so damn old. I mean, I think his, his first story was published in like 1922. So, I mean, the idea of him using uh, Freudian psychology, I mean, if if somebody did it now, it would be absurd, but I... I I have a tendency to forgive him, but I, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, um, the idea that, that in, in, in the, in the far or even the near future, 
you know, they're, 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 they're talking about, you know, interest in your mother and let's interpret dreams is, is flatly bizarre. <laughs> well, and, and, and in the, the time since this novel came out and now like there's, there's been a, a definite, um, I don't know if there's a lot of the Freudian stuff that's been debunked or what, what have you, but definitely there's been a, a shifting away from, from like the Freudian, uh, sort of like mm-hmm. a model of psychology. So a lot of the, I did find that uh, a couple of the sort of uh, psychosexual uh, underpinnings here were, were sort of, they felt dated, but also, you know, sort of, oh, well, yeah, this is, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a novel written, you know, 40, 50 years ago or whatever, you know, uh, you, yeah. you kind of get it, but it's, it yeah, is yeah. sort of a, a very sort of like, oh, Okay, that sounds weird. Yeah. Okay. This is this is um this is another relatively small thing in the in the context of the whole book, but it's something that I wanted to to ask you about because it's something that kind of struck me more on this time reading it, and it's something that I think you guys might have a different perspective on as as besides someone who who's uh, grew up and lives in Europe. Which is which is something that I noticed this time was the the kind of importance of the idea of full medical as like a symbol <laughs> for wealth or like what people were striving for. So so to describe to people what this is, um, basically full medical is a thing that wealthy people have. Um, it, it's kind of like a a. Uh, a kind of super energized version of of like having healthcare where you you kind of live like you live a very long life you can appear very very young for for a long time but in general it's like it's this idea that that yeah one of the things one of the reasons that people want to get to somewhere like gateway and want to get on these ships where they have like uh I mean, they, these are terrifying. Like these people, they they they're always trying to work out how the ships work. They're always coming up with these ideas, but they can never figure out. You're gonna go on the ship. You have no idea if you'll come back at all. You um, so just just to give people some idea of you know, you get people coming back like with like one person surviving and like rotten corpses that have because they've had to draw straws to kill themselves they didn't have enough rations or something Mm -hmm. like that or people come back horrifically maimed sometimes ships come back with like people's bodies splattered all over the insides and they don't know what happens sometimes you don't come back at all so yeah this is a pretty uh big risk to take but nevertheless people do it and one of the reasons they do it is 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 um but they do it to become incredibly wealthy but they want full medical and it's something that's kind of mentioned multiple times and it's something that did particularly stick out to me when i read it when i was younger because like we have healthcare in <laughs> um like we did we don't it's not like a particular it's not really a source of anxiety for us to have to to pay for it but, but i actually I, kind of this time i was thinking I, I, this i think now i'm like much more aware than I was because I probably read this first when I was like I don't know 18 or mm-hmm. 19 or something like that and now I'm kind of very much I had a vague idea of like what American healthcare was like but now I, I have a much <laughs> much clearer idea of the context of American healthcare well, and, and how the the the, yeah. the the genre of Europeans being horrified by American style healthcare <laughs> has fully penetrated all the way through we're now in genre categories where it's reached uh, SFF so Thank you, Paul. You, yeah. you, you're you're a pioneer in this in this particular area. <laughs> to, to the listeners, if you want to imagine um, uh, American health care, imagine Mad Max Fury Road, but a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Morton Joe is just your health care, like your primary health care provider. Uh, do not become addicted to health care. <laughs> you will come to depend upon it. <laughs> yeah, but. Anyway, just to, yeah, I, I just wondered if like that aspect of it was something that would have kind of stood out to you more, or something that you because there is a thing in the book as well that I think Rob's mum needed an operation at some point, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah, so and and she ended up dying because they didn't have the money. So th- these kind of these kind of things are a motivation for him. But I just think it's a really it's a really obvious way of bringing into focus the kind of 
dystopic it's dystopic characteristics of of this world and the world it's about as well it seems like a really good i mean this is we, we've mentioned that inequalities obviously it's perhaps a background detail but it's in the book um and and healthcare seems like a particularly good well good way of bringing that into focus and it's it's something that is this full medical thing is a thing in the novel so i just wondered like if it, if it's something that maybe stood out more to to you guys coming from where you well, are one of the things that popped out to me about it is in 1977 or so when the book was published it wasn't as true as it was now like he was okay. he was certainly right. exaggerating but he was he was noticing a trend and like hooray he was right you know <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he predicted yeah. things. Um, so uh, I, I, you're, you're, you're saying this, Paul, and, and suddenly I'm, I'm flashing to um, even like RPGs, like uh, like tabletop RPGs, like Cyberpunk 2020, and especially Pete. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, probably vibrate in your seat when I say shadow run where, where you, you actually, that is a, a, a thing that you want to buy as a character is your, you know, doc medic. You know, what is it? The, the, the doc wagon in, in, um, in Shadowrun, where it's basically a forward uh, team that is, you know, armed to the gills to extract you from anywhere. And it's basically an armored, uh, ambulance that comes to pick you up right uh it, but this is something that you actually have to save up as a character to buy uh and, and pay for every month and i'm just wondering like i'm wondering if uh if Shadowrun gets shipped to the to the to europe or whatever and people are just sitting there going like scratching their heads going like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah i think that uh one of the things that really struck me um and, and I think the the full medical and the fact that uh, not everyone has access to, to healthcare, specifically not Bob or his mom, um, is just a plain fact that this is like a a a, a world where Paul has sort of exaggerated and accelerated capitalism to a to a point that it has basically made Bob Broadhead, our, our <laughs> illustrious hero, uh, a very messed up as a result of coming out of that, you know, out of that situation that even though he's got all this money, he is fucked up. He is a messed up mm. person, man. Like he was messed up before he left, <laughs> he left earth. Like he's mm. fundamentally wounded in a way that is not necessarily something that can be fixed, you know? And part of that is, in fact, you know, like losing his mom early on, losing his dad early on, you know, and and all of these things are I don't think it's like hammered home, but I do no. think that it's all of a piece. And part of that is, in fact, what you're saying, Paul, like there isn't this coverage uh, that he now enjoys and has like this sort of very um, uh, suppressed guilt about how he lives now. Right. Uh, he's he's very performative yeah. about his wealth, and he needs to show off and, and and see I'm great, you know. And and under it's that's all sort of like this facade to hide the fact that he is just just a writhing mess underneath all of that. Um, as a side note, guys, as I was going through this, I kept a tally, and there were 14 or 15 times uh, Robinette smoked a cigarette in front of delicate uh, alien machinery. <laughs> good to know. Well, it's good to know. Yes, yes. I'm sure that yeah. the that the uh the the Hichi who apparently designed their weird mushroom-shaped ships uh to to survive all sorts of radiation, <laughs> solar novas uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, him smoking in in front of some machinery is going to really fuck it up. <laughs> But I, I just I just found it uh, a, a an interesting period piece in the sense that it's like yeah that that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, the, the idea that it would be considered like it would be genuinely so shocking to see an astronaut light up at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's another very that's another thing that dates the novel. I think yeah, just just yeah, smoking whenever all the time. Why wouldn't you be? Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you both quite a vague question because 
I'm trying to hold myself back because I actually I I wrote an essay about Gateway um for like when I was doing my English masters which I I reread before doing this. So I have I don't want to like take over the show myself, but, but so I, I have ideas, but I'm going to kind of try and sit on them for a bit. So I, I just w- w- wondered what if, if, if there's anything that kind of stood out to you guys about Gateway itself, like the, the, the station, in terms of what you think Gateway is, if, if you think it's supposed to be doing anything symbolically, or if you think that the station is supposed to be about anything in particular. Uh, I just wanted to say anything, yeah, that stood out to you about about Gateway. I mean, I would just right off the gate, right, right out the gate, haha, um, say that Gateway is basically a company town. Like everything is has mm-hmm. a fee. Every, you have to pay for everything. You even have to pay for the oxygen that you're breathing. You know, like you're you have to pay a per diem to be there. Uh, you know, you have to pay for your, your drinks, your food, you know, and then there's also gambling, which is like, okay, so where's, that's just like, I guess it's just like pure profit going back to the company in some way. I don't know. It's, it's just a, such a weird thing uh, because it, it, it does feel sort of uh, freewheeling and oppressive at the same time. Mm. Uh, just a horrible environment. The comparison that kept coming to me was the uh, the gold rush. Mm. Uh, all uh-huh. these guys are essentially prospectors, and uh, you know, in some ways, Gateway is a is just a huge roulette wheel where people are going out to strike it rich. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'll be honest, I'm very curious to see what you're getting at because I I you know I en- I enjoy the story. I'm fascinated by the ac- anachronisms, but uh, I'm certain I miss things. It's a very interesting book in that um, it succeeds on a readability level and it also has like complex writing and framing devices. But I mean, that doesn't mean that I've I've threaded the needle on everything going on here. You know, I think I I think one of the things that stood out to me, Pete, is that Gateway more more so than Earth. I mean, we spend much more time in Gateway, but it feels very much like libertarians in space and this is exactly the type of you know sort of society that they build you know <laughs> it's just like you pay for everything <laughs> oh you want well actually you don't pay for the the, the voyage back that's the one thing you don't uh, pay for like if you want to leave gateway and go back to earth fine but you don't you don't have to pay for it but you know <laughs> by then you're probably broke anyway so fuck it yeah i think yeah it's does isn't it kind of like you can go back if you can find somebody that's kind of willing to take you. And like, there's kind of, yeah, they, they never show this happening, but they kind of say, if you run out of your, um, your, what do they call your it? Per like diems, the, the, yeah. The, the, they'll jettison yeah, you. Your, your, <laughs> yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll jettison you. Or like, Jesus Christ. if you're lucky, like maybe, yeah, if you run out, like there's a ship there that will take you, then like, maybe you'll be okay. But otherwise... Yeah, yeah they, they clap the dust off their hands and go, not my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, the, I 100% agree there's, the, there's definitely a, a gold brush thing there. I definitely agree with the, the company town thing as well. I, I, I'm sure there's there's loads of things you can read into like Gateway and like different ways you could th- think about it. But I I, I think uh, I... I do like so. So talking about the the time that this was written as well, this would have so we're, we're talking seventy seven again. So this would have been a time where so risk is a big thing in this book, right? And this is a time where the conceptions of risk were changing in the sense that we were moving away from ideas of government or like collective risk in terms of like social insurance and things like that Mm -hmm. to the idea of individual responsibility which is where again ties into this thing you says about libertarians in space right where risk is here like completely distributed to individuals so i i I do i like to think of gateway as like a big symbol for the market basically Mm -hmm. for for kind of capitalism and like its ideology and how it works and I think the, the 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 life tax you mentioned is is like a really good one of the really good examples of, of how it does this. So for example, so the idea is like you go on you're in Gateway, it's like your choice to take a ship, 
like it's your choice which ship to take theoretically you don't have to take a ship if you don't want to so this is this is the the idea of the the, the market right that in, in like modern capitalism is that you as an individual are free to make any choices you make like nobody's forcing you to get a job or take a job that you don't want etc etc but ultimately do you really have that freedom because what happens if you run out of money in a gateway you as we said you get chucked out of the airlock mm -hmm. so and, and that's of course it's it's kind of an exaggerated idea of of how capitalism really works and that the ideology is like you have complete freedom but we don't really have the freedom to like we all need money well, that's I, how, the, how it works I, I think i think that's absolutely correct because like for instance even um even shiki who is uh, uh bob's uh sort of neighbor on on gateway who's a japanese mm -hmm. gentleman who's lost who lost both his legs in one of the uh in one of his outward trips um has to work to make just subsistence per diems. Uh, and, yeah. and this is, I think that you're absolutely correct. This is, you're free to do whatever you want as, and you're also free to be jettisoned out of, out of the airlock. If you're not being useful to, you know, the profitability of the company uh, that runs gateway, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, Rob actually gets pulled in and disciplined at one point kind of, cause he's not taking a mission. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like that kind of. It's like, well, you are free to take what you do, what you want, but also, come on, <laughs> get out there. Uh, and this, like we said, you're you're free to go back, but like, where did he come from? He came from the food mines where you have to scrub oil off the grass every week, and where his mum died because they couldn't afford an operation that she needed. And he so started like, working yeah, at twelve. Mm -hmm. That too. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah again there's this idea of like you're free but okay so I, I think rob says in the book like I, I hate the idea of being killed but i don't hate it as much as i hated the idea of going back to the food mines so again i, I think it kind of really brings into focus that ideology of like freedom and kind of shows shows it for, for what it really is well i mean it's it it's it also shows how sort of stunted uh bob becomes as like a person, right? He he's just very stunted emotionally and everything because all all of his like every one of these major decisions that we're talking about is essentially a trolley problem. You know, how do I manage to fail less worse less worse than the other version? You know, I don't mind being killed, but I don't want to go back to the food mines. Is a basically like the dif the difference between dying instantaneously. Uh, and maybe not even being aware of it and slowly being ground down into bones. You know, it's, it's not a great, you know, either way he's going to die horribly. It's just, you know, I guess he, he doesn't want to, he also wants to uh, stop making choices, which is part of uh, the, the issue here, right? Where, where he gets called in because he's not actually choosing any of the missions because basically he's mm. got choice paralysis at this point. He's just a bit of a coward. He's afraid of everything. You really hate this guy, Carlo. <laughs> Uh, Pete, I, I love Bob Broadhead because he is a very complex, messed up character. But he, he also, I, I do, you know, it's one of these things where I think uh, I, I could look at him objectively now and see, oh, oh, I could see some some aspects of myself, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, you know, and you go, oh, that's why people didn't like me or whatever, you know, <laughs> so I'm not trying to tell on myself too much, but, uh, but, you know, I think that uh, if you're being self-critical, you can probably find uh, a, a whor like a messed up person in fiction and go like, oh, either you recoil from them and go, fuck that guy. And generally that's because they, that, that portrayal hits a nerve or you go, oh yeah, that was me. That was me, you know, to a certain extent, uh, X, X amount of time ago. Well, if you, if you keep reading the books, he basically becomes an idealized Elon Musk kind of character. Oh boy. Then uh, it maybe maybe I was I was correct in not liking it. <laughs> 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 
Well, I mean, yeah. it's it's fine. I, I I have I think the gateway in and of itself. I remember wanting to read the other ones and then thinking, eh, this is really good. I, I don't know whether reading the rest of the series would uh, improve upon it. So, I I like it. There's a lot of reveals. I mean, I I, I think my only complaint about the series is that the first the first uh, novel wasn't called Galt's Gateway. Beyond that, I'm thrilled. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I, I um, I think that there's on the wrist thing as well. I don't, I don't think this is um, again, this is another thing. It's not really foregrounded, but the book does tell us that uh, you've mentioned this already. I think uh, Carlo, Gateway, the corporation that kind of runs it. So basically, if if you make the the idea, if you go out on one of these missions and you happen to not die horribly and you have to get lucky and find some piece of alien technology that hasn't been discovered before you're going to get a lot of money but the corporation's going to get more of that money so this is this is something that's this really we're told this happens but th this is again another thing when you think about like how the market works and there's this idea that like you know we're all subject to the same forces in the market we all take risks and so on but like this kind of the the people, the people who run Gateway, who we who we don't see uh, at all, I don't think in the book really. Like the the kind of people at the top, they're not taking any risks. <laughs> like they're not getting in these ships. They're not. They're, they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not going to go off and and risk coming back um, with like their legs missing or their arms melted um, off or something like that. Excuse me, Paul. They're risking their money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There we go. That's that's the ideology. But yeah, they they they. So yeah, I think there's this. And like you said, kind of Rob's like had to be kind of profoundly broken before he like gets to this point. Even like all these, almost all these people that are here have had some kind of like trauma or like desperation or come from you know, some kind of. So it's like it, it shows you like yeah, who are the people that actually you know? It's always the people that are more vulnerable that have to take the the actual risks. Um, it's always even even actually the the idea of like if we think of this as like the market, like there's this idea that everybody has access to the market, right? But here, you literally have to pay to get there, um, which I think is quite a nice when you think about. Um, so, for example, if you think about people who who are in who grow up in like a dangerous countries with like poor economies. Like they may have to risk um, taking a very dangerous journey to like access a country with a better economy to get access to the market. Where the, the idea is right, we all have equal access to the market. That's not how things really work. So I think that's another aspect of it that works works quite nicely if you think of it that way. Like the idea that you actually you have to pay a lot to get there in the first place, and even then you're still <laughs> taking far more risks than than the people at the top. Right. I mean, I mean, that's that's the yeah, I think it's the the crux of capitalism where the person who puts down the capital is able to determine who gets to take the risks as their proxies uh, and and probably get a lion's share of, you know, what what whatever profitability uh, is extracted. Uh, so and to your point, like it, it is sort of a cruel joke that these probably the same corporation that is is the the problem on earth uh, is the one that offers the quote solution to your you know poverty problems in space mm. so you're you're forced to sort of become complicit in your own possible death and exploitation mm. yeah what um this is something Kelsey mentioned as well uh the the kind of gambling thing there's a lot of gambling in this which i i don't know if uh, i think there's potential to read that i don't know i don't know if you think this works but i think there's potential to read that in a similar way like if if we think of like these risks that people are taking to make money as being in some way about capitalism like the the amount of gambling that takes place i i feel like you can read that as kind of highlighting how how kind of capitalist speculation is is it's really just like a form of gambling like there's there's no there's no kind of people try to apply logic to like the ships and how they work like oh i've worked it out i've got the system that we're going to get rich this time definitely like 
we we've understood it and then it's like no they haven't worked it out they 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 thought they had so yeah i i don't know if that if that works for you in any way if, or if you read the kind of i mean yeah i think prevalence of gambling I, in some I, other way i do uh, i do agree that it, it is a multi-layered sort of from the macro to the micro uh but it also really worked for me mainly because um on gateway there doesn't seem to be anything a, a lot of like uh activities that are that would be i guess uh affirming <laughs> you know they're, they're not really mm. uh constructive to the to your to to your self-actualization uh there's a bar there's uh yeah. you know, there's uh, a a a casino and that's about it that you hear about now granted that might be through bob's uh viewpoint but um uh what is the carla i forget shit uh yeah. Clara, Clara. I, I'm really bad at names as well. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I got it mixed up too. And um, so Clara becomes like the the main sort of uh, uh, romantic interest for Bob. And she's also like down in the, the casino like almost every night. And she had like a, I think it was like some old uh, uh, payout that she got from the company that, you know, she still got like $750,000 socked away somewhere. And she's down there gambling every night almost and more so when things are going badly. So I think it, it also um, I feel like on a on a character level, uh, the gambling and the drinking really work to uh, demonstrate that these people are messed up, you know, and they're they're. Yes, they 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 are self deluding in the sense that yes, oh, we I got this system just like a bad gambler would have, you know, to, to keep going at the table, you know. Oh, I see, I, I I'm I'm on a hot streak, um, and it sort of demonstrates that the characters are in this this very destructive behavior. They're not very they're not healthy, is I guess what I'm getting at, um, and so as a result, there's a lot of unhealthy stuff going on in the in the the story itself in between clara and bob yeah i think um that kind of um the, the idea of them kind of being messed up people or like or like or the way that gambling's used as like a way to express their traumas or certainly like their their kind of it's it's very clearly like so I, i've tried to apply it to like this grand thing about capitalism but it's also very clearly about their anxiety about like taking a ship mm -hmm. or or the or the kind of traumas they've already faced because like some of these people have already had they've already seen people die and stuff from 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 trips they've already been on so it's kind of clearly like a, a surrogate for the gamble they know they're ultimately gonna have to take uh, but i think it's also a nice way of um of showing like we, we've talked a lot about how how these people have been affected by like the decisions they've had to make and the choices they've had to make and the situations they've been in. And this is another case where I think, you know, there's this idea of um, uh, homo economicus where like we're, we're kind of these economic agents that make purely rational decisions based on like what will maximize our income or, or, and all this stuff. But we see in these people like in their gambling and in the, in the way that's a reflection of their traumas and their anxieties that like no that's not really how people work like the 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 choices that they're having to make it make like in this economy and like in this world and the things that have happened to them have a profound effect on like who they are as people and the decisions that they're that they're gonna have to make i think no, no I, I, I i think i agree as well in the sense that um it it really I think that this this novel really does sort of uh, overturn that idea I think of of especially like these um, if you've ever met someone who's taken like a minor in economics they they're always mm. talking about oh you know rationality it's like shut up <laughs> you do not know <laughs> like like there is like sure but rationality has several vectors and what may be rational to someone that is in a bad spot may seem irrational to you but that is not irrational <laughs> yeah it, it just yeah. simply I, I i hate that shit and honestly i think that this is a this novel really gets to the heart of just how sort of like messed up capitalism can make you you know 
it's uh, fundamentally as much as it is about anything else it's it's a it's a book about desperation mm. both the main character's desperation the de desperation of the world they're in like the whole all, all the way through it's uh it's people being close to the edge and i kind of like how that theme resonates throughout though i sound like i'm writing a paper on this now and i apologize <laughs> <laughs> no you're, you're right though and uh I think I mean don't you, I mean I think it it does a really good job in terms of that sense of like terror that kind of pervades the whole book and like is there every moment in terms of yeah how the characters feel and I think that this also has like to your point Pete I think this there's a lot of pessimism that undergirds the entire narrative right this this idea that because I think it's mentioned a couple of times and and it's not really something that's central to the to the plot or the story or anything like that. But it's it's mentioned a couple of times that, oh, well, yeah, if you find some Heechi technology, you know, you're, you're going to help so many people on Earth. But Bob comes from a food mine. Where is this? Mm. When is this help coming? They like he like Bob in the present is being uh, basically psychoanalyzed by a, an AI that was possible through Hichi circuitry and technology but did he have mm. that in the food mines hell no mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's no help he eats caviar like when they talk about what he eats and so mm -hmm. on like yeah. sure it's like he's wealthy and spends his money on what, what he wants but the like that disparity between the way he's living now and the way he's living then appears to be only examined in terms of, I don't want to go back. Well, and there's, there's a, there's like a, I, I'd mentioned it before, but I, I do want to revisit it. His current behavior uh, is this almost frenetic, this, this frenzy of consumerism. He wants to eat, and devour everything possible you know he's become sort of like a, an avatar of capitalism himself because he wants to he wants to screw around with as many women as he can uh and he wants to eat everything that he could not eat before he wants to live every in every direction right and it's it's a weirdly manic um in a almost clinical sense almost a weirdly manic uh portrayal of 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 what you would look like if you are horribly depressed you are so depressed but you have to show that you are you're you're fine actually you're just fine because if you don't show that you're fine uh, that, that that's weakness yeah i think that i think it goes back to the thing about so he 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 in terms of the, being this like purely rational actor within like capitalism, he should be fine now if if we accept that kind of idea because he uh, he he made the right decision. He he got the money. He's wealthy now. But again, like you say, he's he's not uh, happy. He's it, it, but that, and that's because he's a person and the 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 things that have have happened to him have affected him. They he's still dealing with that like it, it, it it's again like a critique of, of that ideology and, and again like when i say he made the right the right decision i think again it's quite clear that like yeah he he got lucky like you can convince yourself that as people do that that they understood the system and and they they came up with uh yeah they came up with a model that allowed them to understand the system and they made the right decision and and that's why they're they're, they're wealthy that he he, he knows he knows that he's just he he knows that he's just lucky um so yeah he he can't he can't be happy based as he should be like if in ter in the terms of 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 uh yeah how capitalist ide ideology tells us because he's he's got there he's he's got to place he should be but but he's completely broken right do, do, because that's not what people are do we want to do we want to get into the uh, how you know like not the ending ending but yeah the you know what precipitates all of this uh, do we want to spoil that uh i don't mind spoiling it i i always tend to spoil things on, on here okay. so i mean pe people can people can uh people can skip this 
they if they if they want to read the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can, so you, yeah, you, you can folks stop here if you don't want to get spoiled. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the the thing that really struck me, and and I think we were talking a little bit about this uh, before we started here, uh, Paul, is that um, mm. it, it wasn't until recently that I actually read uh, the Cold Equations, and yeah. uh, I did not realize that this is actually ends up being a novel length response to. Uh, the cold equations to a certain extent. You know, it shows you specifically uh, that Bob, like you said, he got lucky. He's not even aware if he volunteered, like of his own volition, did what he did, which is that um, towards the end of the book, uh, they sign on to a mission, which is going to be a dual ship mission. Uh, the ships are categorized between uh, it's one to five Um Generally, uh, based on how many people can fit inside the ship at a time. Um, also, the higher the number, generally speaking, it also generally correlates with uh, better shielding, you know, radiation, all that good stuff, right? So generally speaking, the idea is that the five ships are generally more more involved in more dangerous missions. So yeah, I think there's specifically, I think that I, I may be misremembering, but I think there's normal fives and armored yes, fives. Yes, yes, you're, you're absolutely And the right. armored fives are like, yeah, yeah that, that's, they, they, they kind of assume they must be armored for a reason. Yeah, yeah. you're <laughs> right. absolutely correct. Um, so, yeah. so this is basically a mission that is going to launch two armored fives out uh, and they're going to go towards the same, uh, the same destination. Because they they want to test something out. They fig they think they figured something out, and they want to test it out. And it turns out that as soon as they come out of uh, their their faster than light or warp or whatever the I, I forget exactly what the mechanism is, but they come out and they realize, oh shit! They look out the view screen and it's basically like the the event horizon. They're on the event horizon of a of a black hole. Uh, and they scramble, um, and the two ships, they manage to link them up, and they figure out this plan where one ship will then fire, both ships will fire thrusters against each other to basically catapult one out, or try to, right, to escape before they actually cross over. Uh, yeah, and so basically... Um, Bob is isn't really aware, and this is the big breakthrough that he has. He isn't really aware if he did it on purpose or if it was just plain luck. But he sort of shouldered his way past the entire uh, crew that had gathered to look at, you know, what was going on and and planning and blah blah. And he got to the empty ship that was going to fire off. He got there and everything closed. No, no, isn't it? There's the other way. They they all get there. I think. Well, he he ends and up. Uh, he he trip he, he trips or something. I I, f I forget. I might I might be mis misremembering, but th the point being that he ends up in one of the ships yeah. by himself, yeah. and everyone else is in the other ship, and he's the one that gets out, and he has no yeah. idea exactly what happened, whether he meant to do that, whether. But he 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 feels guilt because obviously he is assuming a level of control over the situation that he never had. He's not even aware of it, but he assumes it. And so therefore he feels very guilty. Um, and, and part of that guilt is even when uh, the breakthrough happens, he has a big cry. Uh, the, the, the robot therapist tells him, you know, like basically tells him what we would tell each other in, in a situation that was similar, which is like, you did the best you could do. You know, you, you can't really blame yourself, uh, you know, and that's that, right? And he, he realizes that there's something wrong with that. He goes back, and I think that that's the part that really gets me. The, the fact that he realizes that because the singularity of a black hole even freezes, like slows down time, that he is aware, he becomes aware that uh, Clara, his his uh, romantic interest, who he wanted to get married with and all that good stuff, is was in the other ship, and that she is still alive. Like seconds have probably passed for her since he left, mm -hmm. and he, it's been thirteen years for him, and she still knows what he did, 
And that's the thing that kills him. Like, I mean, figuratively kills him, not literally. You know, he, he survives at the end. Yeah, that his like portrayal as he he believes she would see it is like fresh in her mind, from, like yeah, seconds ago, and will be like his whole life basically. Yeah, and I mean, and this is this is a a genuinely affecting portrayal of because we 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 always see the trolley problem from like up above, right? From bird's eye view, right? We're watching the guy at the lever, you know, like oh, I got to pull the lever. You know, look at that stupid guy; he's going to pull the lever. This this is from the guy's perspective. He's the one that's pulling the lever, and he's like, oh shit, I'm going to get so fucked up when I pull this lever. Yeah, um, I I agree with what you're saying uh, here, Connor. But I also like um, I hate to do this, but have you guys ever read the Boss Baby tweet? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Uh, so, well, the, the idea is like the, this: this guy has has the, he's only seen one movie, and it's the Boss Baby, and he starts seeing his the he starts watching his second movie, and he's going, "Wow, I'm getting a lot of Boss Baby vibes from this." Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, fair enough. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of what it feels like is that um, you've you've been you've been exerting a lot of of uh of expertise and thought on the cold equations in comparison to what people are doing in sci-fi right now and so if you you pick up this book and you're like well yes i see the cold equations there it's like well you you, you've certainly applied effort to do so (laughs) well i mean i i don't know that was that was my supposition uh once i read the cold equation it sort of clicked for me but I mean, this is like the the entire uh, I would say that the entire uh, new trauma, the newer trauma that Bob Broadhead is feeling in this book is very much a trolley problem problem. Uh, because it's basically, you know, it, it it's it's also very much like the I think Kurt in our episode on the cold equations had, had referenced the into the void, you know, uh, uh uh, scenario where it's like one guy's hanging off the edge of this cliff or, or mountain face and the other guy's up on top and the guys on top is like basically like he's slowly losing strength he's not he's not going to be able to to save both of them so he has to cut the other guy loose that's you know just the, the plain fact of it but you know here it's obviously dramatized where you know the guy who would cut the person who would also kill him loose actually feels the the justifications fall flat is what i'm saying for bob broadhead he he is very much aware that uh that yeah he he could justify it away but no he wants to be like actually realize that yeah uh, he is guilty and you know as you're talking i'm sort of coming around in that like you aren't so much talking about that specific specific story as the ethical problem underlying the specific story, and there I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. glad I could convince you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> while we're, while while we're kind of talking about uh, Bob and his um his his love interest that separated from him, I, I just want to say this is I just I realized this more this time reading it as well. This is one of the most unhealthiest relationships i've ever seen portrayed in a in a science fiction novel this is an incredibly toxic relationship oh that, i mean they're supposed to you're supposed to, they're supposed to love each other but i mean <laughs> I th- they seem to hate each other uh, well, yeah i mean i think i think it's it's also like uh macro to micro uh it, it is very much like they're both under pressure because of this horrible system that they 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 have quote chosen and continue to quote choose to be in uh and Mm. so then eventually it it puts enough pressure on them as an individual that they start digging into each other like really digging in it's like yeah you're you're absolutely correct like they're like towards the almost the end of this i was just like going like oh my god (laughs) what a what a bunch of what two pieces of work they deserve each other but they don't (laughs) yeah it, it's awful. I mean, honestly, actually, Carla, uh, Carla, I keep on saying Carla. Uh, Clara probably doesn't deserve Bob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I, he kind of loses sympathy. In the, there's, there's a scene where he just like 
beats the shit out. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> no, what was that reason. about? Just... Yeah, that's weird. I yeah, I I, I don't I think um, I, I think it, I, I think if you if there if if there's something going on in terms of like what you were talking about, Carlo, in terms of like this this showing that kind of kind of pressures of the system that they're in has has, has kind of got to them both. I think th- that scene kind of Oof. undercuts that because that 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 in a way it, it, like you can't justify any what like he he just beats the no, shit no, out you're, of you're uh, a woman right, yeah. for no for no reason. Well, I, yeah. I I also so, like honestly this time around I I, I really sort of like when they got to the part where she wants to she wants him back and like cringing just inside going like oh god why why did you write this and of course i mean they're they're just too they're too fucked up honestly she shouldn't want him back at all like even if she is fucked up um but but you know you're absolutely correct i think that that was the the line where i was like ugh this guy yeah (laughs) no good um I guess what what one what I mean we we're coming off on an hour so I'll, I think I'll try and wrap up soon. But one one thing I want to ask you, which is just like a kind of stylistic thing, I, I just wondered if, if you guys liked the so the, this book has a lot of um, like it will have like a page which is like code from the the psych, psychoanalyst robot, or it will have uh, like classified ads like from the from the station or an extract from a talk like there's all those of these little bits uh, in there I, I just wondered if you guys like that and if that that kind of worked for you anyway i i i uh, this time around i i got the audiobook and i missed it honestly oh, they, they okay. don't have them in the in the audiobook uh and i really oh, right. missed it because i feel like that gives you like these little snippets that let you uh sort of infer the the wider world and also some of those uh mission debriefings of like you know, oh such and such mission mm. you know, uh, five out of five casualties and you read the and you're like jesus christ <laughs> you you really mm. it really hammers home like the danger yeah it's yeah. it's something i actually went for the audiobook on this one too and i've found that that's a real pit trap with audiobooks like a, a lot of in a lot of cyberpunk era novels They'll have advertisements for what's going on, and you pretty much have to take them out because just reading them makes the narrator sound different, ridiculous, and everyone else feels silly. And so, but yeah, it, it I I'd, I'd forgotten about those, and honestly, when I when I'm done with this conversation, I'm gonna go reread them. Yeah, I think I did, I didn't know that was a an audiobook problem, but yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah, I I I, I really like them. I think in particular. In terms of like showing like the community of like gateway, I think the ads are particularly useful in like in the way that the, the kind of if you look at ads in like a yeah like a local newspaper or or within some kind of small community, I think they can <laughs> you get a lot of weird things that can kind of tell you a lot. It, I mean, it tells you a lot even just in terms of like the practicalities of the station in terms of but like there's a lot of kind of little stories in there. If you think of like people selling off things mm-hmm. from like so you know somebody's died on a mission or something like that or people renting things out where while they're gone or it's it's got a lot of the kind of things that you'd imagine going on in that community from like people trying to get like odd sex things together or some kind of club or like kind of having like a, a weird religious cult thing that's that's obviously about their kind of terror about the place they are and and the and the risk they're going to have to take so yeah i i think it it's a i just wanted to bring it up because i I think in terms of like creating a a world and like having like details about it i I think that the ads in particular are a really nice way of like showing the the kind of the, the mundane things about like how this place works and like the kind of things that you would get in a place like that yeah yeah i like yeah i i think yeah i think you're absolutely correct it, uh, especially like the, the the ads where they're selling stuff or whatever it's has very uh you know baby shoes you know never worn <laughs> yeah feel to it. yeah exactly uh yeah so yeah it's inferred storytelling which then lets you sort of imagine it, it's it's that uh clone wars tweet right the what <laughs> and yeah you, know, you don't need to know anything else because you know <laughs> 
the Clone Wars in and of itself is like this phrase that helps you like, oh, you imagine a bunch of stuff. Hmm. Too bad we got a movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've been better off just with the hint. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Uh, unless you guys think there's anything big that we've missed um, to talk about. No, just, uh, 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 thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really enjoyed rereading Gateway, so thank you for giving me an excuse to do so. Yeah, no worries, and, and thanks to both of you for coming on. And yeah, people should uh, check out Podside Picnic, and you'll find lots more conversation about uh, sci-fi books and films and, and all sorts of other stuff. So uh, yeah, just search for Podside Picnic, I guess is the easiest way, right, in yep. your podcast Patreon.com slash Podside Picnic, yep. You got it. There you go. Cool. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. So that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to keep up to with what's going on with the podcast, when there's more stuff coming, you can follow me on Twitter at Utopian Horizons. If you want to get in touch with me for any reasons, you can do that either there or by emailing me on utopianhorizonspod at gmail.com. Uh, I don't think I need to mention anything else. Check out Podside Picnic. Um, and I'll be back. I don't know when with another episode. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and I'll see you then. Bye.